And the supply-demand balance has been off. It's important that the client sees how the candidate represents themselves. Every little thing matters. Do you want to be the absolute best candidate for a job you'll love in a career with balance? Veteran leadership career catalyst Jonathan Flax is teaming up with leading executive search professionals to provide you with cutting-edge career transition strategies. Welcome to Career Transition Experts. And now, here's your host, Jonathan Flax. Well, well, well. Today, we have a fantastic treat in our guest today, Allison Tringali, who is a managing partner with DHR Global. This is an executive search firm with 50 offices, more than 50 offices around the globe. Before a DHR, uh, Allison ran a boutique search firm for about 10 years. And prior to that was a management consultant for seven years and started her career at PepsiCo in their supply chain organization. And as I understand it, uh, PepsiCo has some pretty outstanding executive and leadership training. So we have a really brilliant mind here with us today on the Career Transition Experts. Welcome, Allison. How are you today? Thank you, Jonathan. I'm happy to be here, and thanks for that very nice introduction. Hopefully, I don't know about brilliant, but I'll I'll be honest. How about that? <laughs> Your humility is not lost on me. We'll start with just an overview. If uh, listeners stick around for this episode, what's the main uh, element of value or insight uh, they're going to walk away with? Um, I think probably, you know, just some real truth around what happens behind the scenes and how decisions are made um, by companies. I mean, I, I work for companies, not candidates. So I have a good perspective on, or at least I hope I have a good perspective on what they're looking for. Right. Okay, great. So we'll get behind the scenes, some real myth-busting truths. Fantastic. We'll try. So so let's start by trying to just, what's one thing that I always want to start with? In in the process of you working, getting retained by a a company, an employer, right? They're agreed to pay your way, but you got candidates that you help in the process. What's the first thing you want us to understand about what happens behind the scenes there? I think I think that is the first thing is that, you know, I do I am retained by the company. So at the end of the day, they're my client. Now, I it's in my best interest to find candidates that are a great match, a good culture fit, that it is a, you know, quote unquote win-win, but I do work for the company. So, you know, I, I think that's a for some candidates that maybe haven't done this. Uh, before that's a little bit of a misconception on just how the process works and you know where who's directing it. Let's put it that way: that the client, I, I'm directing the process on behalf of the client, not right. on behalf of the candidate. Right, and we tell candidates this, but it's important for those we don't speak with about it to understand that it's a, a metaphorical to uh, when you're buying a house. You might meet a broker and they want to know what you want and where you want to live and about your family. So it seems like they're in service to the buyer, but their fiduciary responsibility is to get the highest rate and the fastest sale or whatever their client is. The client is the house, the home owner, the seller. And this is true of all executive search professionals retained or uh, contingent uh, headhunters, executive search professionals, recruiters like you. First of all, am I okay to use the word headhunter? Sometimes I'm I don't care. If that, Call me whatever that you term want. is a is a, it should be uh, shelved. But no, it's I don't care. It doesn't. I don't think it's derogatory per se. I'm always curious though what 
what recruiters feel about that. I think so, some yeah, people so, do get offended by that. Like I've definitely, but I, it would be yeah. very difficult to offend me, Jonathan. <laughs> it's very cool. So you're representing a company, you're looking for a good fit. You meet a candidate that seems to be a good fit. And so of course you're going to help them. What are some of the things you help them with? What are some of the things you see candidates needing to understand to tweak to understand yeah. how it really happens behind the scenes? I, I, first of all, one of the, I do try to help candidates a little bit with their resume. I will not do it for them, but I might make suggestions to tailor things to a specific role. Okay. But I try not to meddle with that too much in that it's important that the client sees how the candidate represents themselves. So I think that's a that's something just right off the bat. And then, you know, taking them through an interview process. I prep candidates for every interview, every person they're going to talk to. I, I know the companies well. I know the culture. I know what the, the interviewers are looking for. So I will walk them all the way through. I'll help them through the offer process. I will you know, help them onboard the whole way. So I'll, I'll stay involved through the entire process. And I, and another thing that I, I'm not sure that everybody understands from a candidate perspective is I give a guarantee on that candidate. So mm. it's in my best interest to make sure it's a great fit because I'm guaranteeing that they'll stay at least a year. Wow. That's a full year. We've heard 90 days, 180 days. You have a full year guarantee. That's year. impressive. That's impressive. So you really want not only that your client, the, the employer is going to be happy, but that the candidate is happy in the role. It's a fit and that they're managed well. And that they, To what extent do you follow up and get involved with the post-onboarding, checking in, how's everybody doing? Yeah, I, it depends on the client, but the clients that I work with and I have worked with for years, I'm involved in that. You know, they, yeah, they want me to stay connected to that candidate to check in with them to you know make sure that they're happy and things are going okay because a lot of times candidates will tell me things that they ne won't necessarily tell the company and I I keep that confidentiality in place like if somebody tells me something in confidence I don't just turn around and tell you know the company I I do respect that but I can go back to the company and maybe say hey Joe needs a little more attention in this you know in this area or that area you know without mm. giving away their you know, their confidence that probably also just opens up something that's under their nose, but not being attentive to. But that's yeah. really valuable, really valuable. It happened recently where, you know, speaking of executive coaching, I had a candidate that was, we, and we knew that it was not an exact culture fit. We knew going in, it wasn't going to be, but they, you know, were a great fit for the role and it just somebody that we really wanted to get in their brilliant mind. And so in the 30 or maybe it was 60 day follow up, I, I recommended to the company that they need an executive coach to help them with the transition. You know, they mm. needed more. And they follow that advice yeah. and go oh, with yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. That work? Great. That's a great story. Yeah, very good. All right. So you got an opening you're looking to fill. You meet a candidate that starts to present to you and seem to you like, they're expecting you to help them or, you know, you're certainly, if you see the match, you're going to put them in touch. What are some of the things behind, like you said, behind the scenes, people have to understand. I think you're curious. I'm certainly, I'm curious to know what it is that people are misunderstanding behind the scenes. Well, I don't know if I'm, if this is going to exactly answer your question, but I'm going to take it, you know, yeah, take it where you want. <laughs> so every little thing matters. Your LinkedIn picture, it matters. Like they're judging everything. It's a silly thing, but have a professional LinkedIn picture because they're they're passing judgment immediately on that. When you talk about your you know your summary in your LinkedIn, some people use a lot they're they're a little arrogant in that. That that it's easy to pass judgment right away and and that mm. happens. 
everything you wear in a Zoom call. You know, I had literally a guy two months ago wear a hoodie in an interview with the CEO. Wow. For an executive role? For an executive role, a SVP role. He wore a hoodie. Yeah. Didn't think I'd have to tell somebody that they should not wear a hoodie to an interview, but it, you know, apparently, it, so every that's yeah. an extreme example, of course, but like mm. every little thing matters. You miss a mm. punctuation in your resume, they're going to see it, and they're making they're making decisions based on that. In these roles at these very high level, it is still competitive. There are still mm. candidates that are really qualified that are looking for the best roles. I mean, maybe maybe if the company isn't doing well or whatever, that it's not as competitive, but for the best jobs, it's still very competitive and every little thing matters. And those judgments are made behind closed doors on little things. Yeah. Uh, can we talk for a moment about, here we are, sort of post-Great Resignation, pre or early recession, where August, mid-August 2022, uh, statistics a couple of months ago said there's two roles for every employee, but that's employment overall. Tell us a little bit about how the competition has been and how it might shift in the next quarter or two. Yeah, I think that's been the attitude of a lot of candidates as well. There's, there's At the executive level, it's not two openings for every role. It's much more tight than that. I think I, you know, and I maybe it, it has been pretty. I mean, the supply demand balance has been off, yeah. uh, but I I think regardless of how far the supply demand balance is off, the mm-hmm. most coveted roles, the high level executive roles at the most high performing companies are always going to be competitive and coveted. So yeah. if you think about some of the highest performing direct to consumer companies, for example, the mm-hmm. people that were recruiting for those, you know, whether it's an SVP of marketing or the CFO, that's a highly competitive job. And there mm. are a lot of people that want that job on the resume. So yeah, yeah. I, I think that there's candidates need to have that perception that regardless of whether there's two roles for every qualified candidate, the best roles and that's the roles that you want, it's competitive. Yeah, that statistic does not preclude a decision maker from having three or four or five competitive candidates to choose from in any given role at any given time. Yes. So uh, very good. What else? You may have given some thought to uh, our overall question, like what are some unique things that candidates ought to know as they're coming in? To understanding more about what really happens behind the scenes. Um, there's a few things that people don't do anymore. For example, nobody sends thank you notes anymore. Nobody. Mm, I mean, by hand. I would say probably one in 40 candidates sends a thank you note. And it's something that it does matter. It's a little thing and it, it does matter. I don't Oh yeah. It's not going to necessarily get you a job, but if if there's two candidates that are very equal and you've been gracious through the process, it shows your integrity and, and, and character. Can I say one thing on the thank you note before you go to the next point? Yeah, yeah, I had a client just tell me last week as we were talking about handwritten thank you notes in our being the one best training. They said as a hiring manager, he remembers not too long ago, one candidate stood out by writing a handwritten thank you note, showed some care, social thoughtfulness, was selected, and was a great hire. Yeah. So if you decide to be a care, caring and careful person, show it in a handwritten thank you note, it can be an advantage. And you're seeing that too, Allison? For sure. I think one of the things that has happened in the space right now, regardless of whether you're an operations person, you're a finance person, you're, it doesn't matter. 
the number, the thing that's inching towards the top of the key selection criteria is people leadership because we're in this great recession, because there's a labor shortage, because attracting and retaining talent is surpassing those functional and technical skills, no doubt. Mm. So that type of behavior shows a care that, you know, Mm. shows that somebody has that EQ Mm. and those are the intangibles that companies need in, in particular at the executive level mm. yeah great point really great point so okay what else you had a couple of other what ideas what else were we talking to? about well let's see um i was thinking about just kind of some blunders that have happened over the last like year candidate yeah, blunders. People, yeah let's hear those i think the number one thing that i've seen and it's it's not intentional but it happens mm. in the beginning of a process a candidate will i i don't want they kind of say what they need to say to be considered. So, so there's a little bit of quote unquote dishonesty that happens and it happens Mm -hmm. when they talk about maybe their education. I've had several Mm -hmm. candidates that have stretched what their actual educational background is. And this is at the very executive levels that relocation. Oh yeah. I'll Mm -hmm. relocate. I'll relocate. I'll relocate. Cause they don't want to be disqualified. Right. But I had a couple that have had already left their previous company, but they didn't market it that way. And so that anything in that, even though it doesn't necessarily have bad intentions, their compensation is another one. It always flushes out in the end. And those guys and gals never get the job in the end. Because if it ever Mm -hmm. comes back that, oh, well, actually, he left his company a week before that, or there was any sort of what could be perceived as dishonesty, it's a deal breaker. And I've had probably five or six deals in the last year fall apart because somebody was just slightly, slightly misrepresented. Mm, Yeah, I I think it's a very important point that even really intelligent people, I asked the question, what's the dumbest thing you've seen smart people do? Smart people who want a role might be emotionally driven to stretch the truth, not really even lie, but not be fully transparent. Distinct from that, is to say right away, I know this might lose me at the risk of losing this job. Here's the truth. Here's the facts on this. And if they lose the opportunity at that moment, at least they have time to look for the next one. And they've saved that employer time, goodwill. They could maybe get introductions for each other. Whereas if they blow it, they go through in the next three to four weeks and then it gets discovered and they stop job searching. Now they have to start their job search all over again. If you're listening and you've been through this and you don't want to go down that road and then fail and have to start all over again, be blatantly truthful, be transparent. Allison, thanks for helping us underscore that. And one thing to just underscore even further, that doesn't just blow your your chances on that job. No, behind the scenes, it blows your chances with any job with that firm because that goes in our system. There's a note that says, this is what happened. And Mm. then anytime you're, if it's with a big firm, like, and I'll mention some of my competitors, I'm, you know, Corn Ferry or Spencer or DHR or Russell or mm. any of those, you won't get another opportunity with them. Mm. Wow. It's the gravity of this is expanding. So it's, and not it's to, big. Yeah. So yeah. Is it the not trans- to mention the networking, many people, 85% of leadership roles and, and network, yeah. uh, recruiter relationships are secured through networking. So if you blow it, you also blow that channel of your network. You don't want to do that. And that's the only thing that I can think of that really does blow your network versus, you know, you can make a mistake. You talk too much in an interview or something yeah. like that. That's, that's not going to tank you. It, right. it might take that opportunity, but not overall that yeah. anything that can be perceived as dishonest, it's mm. a real problem. Yeah. 
I, even wearing a hoodie, you can get away with it. If you're you someone like Santana. I didn't put it in the system. I didn't say, you know, yeah. anything for a hoodie. You know, I didn't say that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I saw Carlos Santana last night at the PNC <laughs> Art Center in New Jersey, and he was wearing, it looked to me like yellow sweatpants <laughs> with classic rock star adornments down the side and a white high quality hoodie. But, but he's Santana. Carlos Santana. Yeah. He's earned the right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when, when, if you get to that echelon in yeah. your career, then you can wear whatever yeah. the hell you want. But until then, yeah. Just put on a jacket. Look good. I'm even wearing a polo. I mean, there's nothing yeah. unprofessional. I would interview, I would think a polo, even even a polo might be a little too too casual. I think uh, you have another good. You know what? Uh, yeah, it doesn't you don't have to wear a jacket, just a nice collared shirt. Collared shirt. Exactly. And do you have another one or do you want to talk about rock music? You know, my I always tell candidates, and this is kind of a silly thing, but and it doesn't apply as much. It actually kind of does in video. And we talked about this. Smile. People want to see your energy. You can hear mm. a smile through the phone. You can see like it does, and not everybody is life of the party, and that's okay. We're not hiring for life of the party, but we do want to see that you have some energy because again, it's about people leadership. Yeah. And so they want, yeah. So you got to, you have to show a little bit of passion. Yeah. We, we say in a LinkedIn photo, we want to see the whites of your eyes and the warmth of your smile. Yes. So even if you're introverted, low energy, you have access to being warm. That's mm-hmm. what you're saying. Can make that human connection. And we've seen some articles come out. Maybe you've seen this too, that, some of these early screening uh, interviews, companies are applying AI robots yeah. and robotic questions that candidates now have to videotape themselves. And the article went on to say that candidates are showing up as robotic and losing out on the opportunity. So your, your suggestion is smile is uh, very warmly, re- warmly recognized and appreciated here. Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, you brought a smile to my face. I have uh, any other any other tips or suggestions? I think. We've oh, got a lot here. It's great. One of the things that a lot of candidates do, because they have, especially at the executive level, they have a great network, is they will kind of try to back channel the executive search firm. And wow. sometimes that works, but mm-hmm. most of the time it doesn't. Because mm-hmm. there's a reason, and I don't have an ego about it, but the companies don't like that. They, mm-hmm. they paid us a lot of money to mm-hmm. fund the process they don't yeah. want to deal with that. They paid us to deal with the candidates. So I would recommend not doing that. Or if you do, like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I had a candidate that said, hey, I know the CEO of this company already. I, I know them from my past. We work together. Do you think it's OK if I gave them a call? And I said, yes, I think that's OK. In this case, yeah. I think it's fine. So just uh, yeah. Include the yeah. executive search firm because they know the culture. They mm. know the the players. They know how involved they want to be. You know, and they can. It's in their best interest to get you that job. Right? Yeah. So they'll help you. Yeah. So I'm hearing, and I'll say it slightly different. If you are looking to get into a role, you've got an ex, uh, an executive search firm that's opening the door, and you also have found through your network anyone at the company. Bring it to your quarterback, your executive search professional. Say, Allison, I happen to know Joe at the company, and I know someone who knows Diane. What's our best way of using these points yeah. of votes of, of, of confidence in our process? Work. And and you say our process with someone like Allison, you're going to, right? Is that going to help create that team collaboration to help the candidate get the role? And I guess we just have to make it clear. Sometimes the, the recruiter gets a commission, so it's really only if placed and only if you last a year. Does uh, someone like Allison and most executive recruiters who are contingency-based recruiters, that's that's when they earn their money. 
So right. it's in their best interest to see that through. It's a really good point, Allison. Okay. Yeah, very good. So you have any favorite? Uh, I like to ask my favorite musician, composer, band, orchestra. This is where artist. I lose all credibility, Jonathan. Everything <laughs> that just happened in the last 24 minutes goes out the door if I start to talk about the type of music I like because I love hip hop music. It is okay. my favorite. I I just I always have, and you know, it's great. Well, it's still credible with me because I believe all music is self-expression. And there were at least two or three moments in this Carlos Santana concert after he did his hits from the 70s, where he had his singers doing some hip hop and rap. Yeah. Uh, very good. Very cool. He's cool and in that community. Caught, what's that? He's cool in that community still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he's still filling, filling out, you know, yeah. big arenas. It's, where did you see him? The PNC Arts Center in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's touring that whole not the Earth, Wind, and Fire and Santana combination. And Earth, Wind, and Fire were fantastic. I'll bet. I'll bet. Uh, Philip Bailey's still hitting some of these high notes and all of them doing that harmonic and uh, singular, four of them singing in a falsetto melody together. It's a wow. priceless sound. You have a cause or a philanthropy you, you care about you'd like to tell folks? Yes, I have a couple that I support, and they are generally around all of them around kids, but I support more specifically causes that help kids in athletics. So getting underserved communities into athletic, whether it's soccer or basketball, basketball is a big one for me. Um, you know, because I just feel like it, it's does so, it does so much for me when I was a kid, Mm. I, Mm. I, I played sports and confidence and teamwork and gave you a place to get away from what was going on at home. And mm. that's really important to me. So those are the causes I support. Are you still active uh, in a particular? Yeah. I do. do. I, I, well, I swam this morning. I swim. I, I lift weights every day. I, um, I play volleyball on a team, a nice. team. So yeah, I, I love, I love. Fantastic. Allison, it's been such a delight getting to know you and thank you for your really useful real world insights. Our listeners are really grateful for the kind of insights you've provided today and I hope to speak to you again Thank you for having me, Jonathan. Thank you very much for listening to the Career Transition Experts. We hope you got something of value and would love to hear from you on what you did learn and how this episode made a difference. If you'd like to contact or reach our guests, take a look at the show notes And you can also find there a link where we will send you a free copy of our resume preparation checklist. If there's anything we can do to help you fulfill your vision and make that transition smoothly, contact us. We are here for you. Thanks again for listening. Hope to see you again soon. Bye for now.